if you look at the career that uh, young children, especially little boys, but even little girls used to aspire to, you have a lot of uh, standards, right? You have firefighter, police officer, occasionally you'd hear cowboy, but I don't know a young man at some point in their life, but even like, like I said, a lot of young women that hasn't at least considered the possibility of astronaut. And I'll be honest with you, when I look up at the night sky and I see things like the Galilean moons of Jupiter, astronaut still sounds like a pretty appealing job. Well, an interesting thing has happened over the course of the last couple of years. We've seen people uh, not needing to necessarily train for years and prepare for their whole lives to earn that title of astronaut. Now you can hitch a ride for an 11-minute ride on an Elon Musk or Richard Branson space flight. Well, how has that changed the definition of astronaut? What does or what do all these changes in space travel mean for the future of being an astronaut? We have on the line one of the best regarded OG astronauts of all time, a veteran of seven space shuttle missions, the first Latin American immigrant astronaut that our country has ever seen, a member of the NASA Astronaut Hall of Fame, a physicist, an engineer, an entrepreneur, a guy who the problem with him is his resume is just not long enough, Dr. Franklin Chang Diaz. Uh, Franklin, it's great to talk with you. Thanks for joining me on the radio. I'm a great admirer yeah, of your work. Sure. It's, re it's really a pleasure, Frank, also. And uh, I'm just a regular guy with all, all those all those accolades that you just mentioned, uh, but I'm I'm just a regular guy here. Well, I, you know, let me ask you about that. I want to ask you a little bit about your journal and how a uh, journey and how you view the trajectory of space travel these days. But you have accomplished a great deal. You have uh, t you tied the record for most space flights ever. Uh, you have uh, gotten all sorts of advanced degrees. You've uh, launched uh, helped launch a major company that's doing a lot of innovative work. How do you manage to stay so humble? given everything that you've accomplished, which is more than most people accomplish in five lifetimes? Well, you know, I guess I, I don't see it as a, as a sum of all these things together building, but it's just a collection of, of, of little adventures and little uh, steps. Uh, my life has always been um, that. It's just a, a series of steps. Um, I always feel that you know, it's, it's, it's much better to do um, small, uh, frequent uh, steps than just, you know, occasional big, uh, you know, leaps. Um, and and, and, and that's, that has been the story of my life, just uh, a collection of one thing after the other. And, and most of the things that I've tried to do have failed. Um, it's only the ones that have, that have been successful that uh, appeared to attract people's attention and um but i mean a lot of the um of the journey in life is 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 failure and and you have to be uh willing and ready to take uh those hits and to and to be prepared to fail i, I believe that uh, in order to succeed you have to be you have to learn to fail so this is a bit of a, a bit of the story of my life 
unlike a lot of the other astronauts that people may be familiar with and thinking of people like John Glenn and Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, you didn't necessarily come from a military background. You came from a science background in physics and in botany. Um, How did you, uh, being an astronaut is not the kind of career you could just fall into, like being an insurance uh, salesman or a publicist. How did you end up uh, becoming an astronaut? Yeah. Well, you know, in the days of, of, of my youth and, and child, childhood, you know, astronauts uh, were still um, somewhat, you know, fictional characters. I mean, the, in, in, the, in the 50s, there were no astronauts. And, and uh, it was not until 61 uh, that the first uh, human was launched into space. It was, uh, uh, it was called a cosmonaut. It's not an astronaut, but a cosmonaut. It was uh, Yuri Gagarin, and um, and then the astronauts from NASA began, began you know, be, were selected the first seven original astronauts, and um, you know they became heroes, instant uh, heroes of of, of 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 myself and and all my friends and all my my contemporaries, and um, you know. The, 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 the sort of the format, uh, as you pointed out, uh, they were all military pilots. And I was growing up in a country that uh, that does not have a military force. And here in Costa Rica, there is no, um, that was not an option to, um, you know, to follow a military career. And and, and so my mother, in, in all her wisdom, um, always clearly understood that uh, astronauts had to be technical, technical people, engineers, and, and ultimately scientists. And I think the, f- the image of, a, of the astronaut for me was gra- gradually sort of shaped into that, into uh, essentially a, a, you know, a, an explorer, more like a polar explorer. Uh, uh, and, and that... Um, Moved me into the into the technical field, uh, engineering, science, and those were the kinds of things I liked. Um, and, and so that's how that's how the um, the you know the career was uh, shaped um, for me. And Franklin, you became an astronaut a few years after our last mission to the moon. It's been 50 years since we've sent a manned mission to the moon. Now uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of effort to try and return to the moon through the Artemis project. I'm wondering if you have a take on why it's taken us so long to get back to the moon and is there still value in going on these uh, lunar missions? Yeah. Uh, there is absolutely value, and I, I believe the moon is an essential piece of the uh, of the whole, you know, gradual migration of of humanity into into space. I think ultimately space is going to be where most people will be, and I tell people that maybe hundreds of years from now, if we if we don't if we don't mess it up. Uh, the Earth uh, will be essentially a, a, a protected area, a, a, probably a national park of humanity, or humanity's national park, and most uh, humans will be living elsewhere, outside 
in other locations in the in in the in the sky. So 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 in reality, um, you know, the moon is fundamental. Uh, it, it is our you know is our the closest place where we can actually learn to live and work efficiently in space. Um, now, why why did we not continue? Well, the reason the moon uh, missions were done was simply a competition. It was just simply a, a race between two uh, two superpowers. It was a t- totally a binary. Only two countries in the world were were embarked uh, embarked in in this adventure, and they were vying for supremacy in the sky, and uh, and that's all it was. It was a, it was a race to beat the uh, then uh, Soviet Union to um, to the moon. When when that race was won by the United States, uh, it was over. And the country lost uh, interest in, there was no race anymore. And so the country lost interest. And there were other more pressing issues at the time. You know, we had the, the war in Vietnam was, uh, I, 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 I think of it as a, as a kind of a, sure. a wound, yeah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a festering wound that needed to be tended to. And also, um, uh, you know, there was an energy crisis. There was, there were other things that, that, that occupied the attention of, of, of the, the country. And of course, uh, the race was over. And it has taken us 50 years to get, get back into the swing of things. Well, I'm certainly optimistic that we are able to get back to the moon. Uh, it seems like, uh, to your point, there's a great deal of value from a science perspective and from even a self-preservation, a human preservation perspective in uh, returning to the moon. The The other big space news we've heard about in the last week or so is this DART project to divert uh, the, an asteroid in the event that there's an asteroid that's on a collision course with Earth. As somebody that uh, has studied engineering, as somebody that has studied physics, uh, how, how, what kind of grades would you give NASA for their handling of the DART project? Oh, 100, 100%. It's really good. It's really well done, very well organized, very, very precise uh, in, in, in the way that NASA can do things. And uh, it was in, in, in full view, uh, the whole the entire planet was able to see, and they were not afraid to show that they could miss, they could have um, failed. And this is when you do uh, things that are really hard, and you do them in public. And, and, and mm. that is one of the most beautiful things about, uh, about the way NASA works. Um, I think that, um, you know, we, we, we are, we say that we, the planet is, is fragile. And we think of ourselves uh, in the earth as being fragile. Well, it really is humans that are fragile. The planet will be fine, um, but we need to take care of the life support system of the earth, which is what's keeping us alive. And we have no backup right now at this moment. It's one of the reasons, one of the most fundamental reasons why we have to go and explore space. Because if something were to happen to this planet, that the life support system of the Earth were to be, were to be damaged or disappeared, we would, we would all die. And, you know, 
is something that is you know is a, perhaps in the in the cosmic context is not that important whether we exist or not but it is important to us so um it is important that we preserve our 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 civilization and space is the place where that will happen Today is Hispanic Heritage Day. We're highlighting a lot of different uh, Hispanic success stories like you. As I mentioned, you were the first Latin immigrant ever to become a NASA astronaut. Did you view yourself as a role model for other young Hispanic children that might want to be an astronaut someday? Because like it or not, that's exactly what you became. Yeah, exactly right. Uh I, I do now, uh, Frank. I, I do now. I didn't before. Um, I did not seek, um, you know, this this particular uh, position as an astronaut in order to be a role model for anybody. Um, I was just, you know, trying to live my own dream. Uh, but things have changed uh, completely. Uh, the moment that uh, I became an astronaut, um, I, I saw in the eyes of um, you know many of the uh, young children that came close to me when I went went back to uh, to Costa Rica and, and and also back in the United States and the the young young kids and you know it is a huge responsibility and and I'm I'm sure the astronauts uh, that were my heroes were not also expecting to be heroes either uh, they were just enjoying and doing the thing that they wanted to do. But once you become an astronaut, uh, you, you have to accept that, that, that you do have the responsibility to keep that chain um, unbroken and to instill that, um, you know, that passion and that desire for young people to, you know, to achieve their dreams just like you did. Mm. As I alluded to, you have the record, at least tied, for the most space shuttle flights of anyone in history. And I am just curious, and this is a question that a lot of listeners end up asking whenever I get to talk with someone who's had your experience in space. What does that do to your body, both while you're up there experiencing zero gravity and when you return back down to to Earth? Uh, does your body change in any significant way? It it does, and and you know, fortunately, my flights were short. Uh, I did not do you know long duration, multi many months on, in space like uh, the astronauts of today. Uh, my flights were um, the longest was seventeen days, but I did um, you know fly uh, quite often, and I did uh, feel uh, changes in my body. Uh, fortunately, a lot of those changes disappeared when I came back, and I got back into training and got back in, in uh, the right, uh, uh, you know, rest and, 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 and nutrition and all the necessary, um, you know, rehabilitation programs that NASA has developed. So, um, so, so, so the effects were not lasting uh, for me, at least as far as I know. Uh, I have always <laughs> no. been a very healthy, healthy individual, and I continue to be very healthy and, you know, take no, no medicines of any kind at this point. And I'm 72 years old right now, and I don't take any pills, wow. I don't, don't do any, don't have any ailments. So knock on wood, uh, hopefully that'll continue. I know you've been very active in the fight for uh, fighting against climate change. 
the a lot of the the private sector space flights that we've been talking about, the ones uh, administered by folks like Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson and Elon Musk, they've been criticized in some quarters as being too wasteful. I'm curious, how do you view uh, the private sector space exploration movement? Do you share those concerns about the environmental hazards or do you view this as something that's going to get even more interested people interested in space and space exploration? Well, I think it's going to be a lot of everything, you know, just like anything that humans do. There's some ways, there's some that are not wasteful and hopefully, um, you know, the right process will prevail. I see, for example, uh, I have a lot of concern right now for the, um, the, you know, multiplication of space junk, space debris, space stuff that has been uh, launched into space. Um, without um, thinking about what's going to happen when that uh, satellite or piece of equipment ceases to function. You know, it stays there for, you know, tens of for decades, maybe even hundreds of years. And so at this point, we're seeing a, a real serious issue with a low Earth orbit being um, uh, populated by nearly a half a million orbiting objects. And many of those, in fact, the great majority, dead. And so it's sort of space trash. Um, you know, it's part of humanity, the way we do things. We have to um, own up to the responsibility that we have to clean this place up and maintain it. And so our environment needs to be considered uh, beyond uh, the atmosphere. So the, the space between the Earth and the Moon um, has to be an environment that we need to protect and um, enable also other countries and other people to, to enjoy and to prosper from, um, from space exploration as well. I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Two more questions I just have to ask you while I have the opportunity to uh, to chat with you. You alluded to the space race between the United States and the Soviet Union. Well, for the better part of the last 30 years, the space programs of Russia and the United States have largely been defined by cooperation between exactly. these two countries, things like the International Space Station and so forth. Now, I think it's fair to say tensions between the United States and Russia are um, at their lowest point or the tensions are at their highest point at any point since the Cold War. What do you think that portends for the future of space travel, space exploration, and cooperation between the Russian Space Agency and NASA? Well, as you said, as you said, the chemistry, the chemistry changed from a, a confrontational chemistry back in the 60s to one of uh, collaboration uh, starting in the 80s and 90s. And um, I was witness to that transition. And I do see some wrinkles and problems that, that, that do come uh, by the fact that um, uh, there are activities, uh, you know, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine right now and all these other issues that, 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 are, that, that are issues that have to do with, with human behavior on our planet. Ultimately, it is unavoidable. Humans will be will have to work together in space because as you get further and further away from the planet, you know you 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 really have a hard time pinpointing where you really come, you know where you where you really come from. Everybody points in the same direction. It is just that one little 
blue blue ball um as carl sagan used to point yeah. out you know the pale blue dot you know that 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 really is where we all can come from and we we come to realize that we have to work together so um i do see these issues that you that you're referring to i hope they are transition uh, they're transitory that they're not going to last and ultimately humans will will have to work together when you're in space, when you're floating around the uh, the space shuttle, what food on Earth do you miss the most? What did you crave the most? <laughs> you know, I really wanted to have a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the one thing that I really craved in my my flights. Um, and, and not that I am that. I mean, I was born in Costa Rica. We don't have a lot of hamburgers here. But for some reason, uh, you know, I lived in the U- U.S. now most of my life, um, and uh, it is the one thing that um, that you kind of miss, at least for me. Gotcha. Other gotcha. people really wanted to have a pizza, and those are the kinds of things that really, <laughs> you know, come to they come to you after you're floating in space oh, and enjoying the food I can there. imagine. I can imagine. And and finally, sir, uh, of any movie that you've ever seen, fictional or supposedly based on real events, what do you think is the most realistic depiction of what it's like to either be an astronaut or to go to space? Apollo 13. Really? You know, Apollo 13? Apollo 13 is probably the closest one that I've seen where the narration and the way things actually are de- depicted in the in the movie um, are extremely close to um, to the real thing. So they did a really good job with that. Got with it. That movie, that movie. Got it. Well, it, it has been a treat to talk with you, Franklin Chang Diaz. Uh, I hope to uh, chat again with you soon. Whenever you're in New York, please let us know so we can have you in studio. Will do. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you very much. This is uh, 77 WABC. We're commemorating and celebrating Hispanic Heritage Day. I'm Frank Morano. We'll continue straight ahead.